0: For joining us today on the Deleuze and Guadari Quarantine Collective. Today we're not continuing our reading of Antioedipus. In fact, we have a special episode. We may have more of these coming, by the way. Rather than our reading, we had a chance to sit down and watch the film Jean Benet's Tricycle and spend some time with its director and the subject of the film, Andrew Novick, as we discuss how objects work inside of late stage capital, how representation plays a great deal of effort into how we understand things, and also how the media teaches us what we truly desire but with that first um, I want to just say thank you to Andrew Novick for joining us and letting us do a little screening of Jean Benet's Tricycle it's a documentary you can grab it anywhere but ideally if you had to Jean Benet's Tricycle google it you can get it on Vimeo for just a couple bucks of course you can buy the blu-ray at Jean Benet's Tricycle's website Uh, is that a fair any other quick plugs I want to do in there at the beginning Andrew um, no, I think
1: that's it. You know, the, the Blu-ray does have some extra stuff on it It has a, uh, like a, you know, they, they have a, you have a virtual fireplace video. It's like a, it's a video of a fireplace. So I, I fireplace video is just a tricycle spinning around on that, uh, mirror dolly. <laughs> so you can just have that rolling on your TV at all times. But also I have like the, um, when Kill Yourself Incorporated was going, it was a t-shirt company but we and we had an 800 number and people could leave messages um and we had like a lot of really funny and weird hateful messages so like i put those on um and then a lot of other like kind of prank phone calls where i would prank telephone solicitors so like any telephone solicitor calling i would just keep them on the phone for a long time and that's on the blu-ray and tons of photos and stuff on there so just Lots more context about the weirdness of life.
0: Well, it is, it is a documentary about that weirdness. And um, I really enjoy a second time through. I, it still lands with me and I still really like it. Um, I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit because I want to just sort of comment on a few things or, you know, ask a couple questions and then we'll kind of open it up to a larger discussion because I think the thing I really do want to actually talk about is uh, actually Roger, it's going to be your, your point the, uh, the tricycle is the empty signifier, which the film even ends with uh, uh, the tricycle, no one driving it, moving as if under its own power uh, forward and as if it, something is driving it just by watching it, which I thought was a really great uh, sort of final moment uh, that, that carried that meaning with it. So I want to make sure we spend some time on that. But... Uh, you know, just to start with, I just have to ask the broad question um you have a lot of shit now i some of us are more familiar with you than others, uh from the Warlock Pincher days to cherry bomb to whatever. but you do have a lot of random shit. Why this thing as the item to make the documentary about? What is this thing that that nailed it for you?
1: uh you know out of all the things like i I probably have couple handfuls of things i wouldn't make mind making a documentary about but this is the one that was always like talked about uh it just it has an effect on people like if i bring it in a room or whatever and really the original um the original idea was just to take it to psychics to debunk psychics because if a psychic can't get anything off of this trike like you know what good are they or whatever as, and so we did, and we did the psychics very first, the very first thing because it was I didn't want anyone to even know anything about the tricycle. um, you know, the I didn't want the psychics to have known anything about it. So we did all of them on the same day, except for the one we didn't tell what it was. but it it was just such a bigger story. like that like debugging psychics is in the end, like that's the least fun thing I could imagine. Like there was so much more cool things that came out of this. so, I'm glad that we just took it that far.
0: Uh, it's, the psychics alone is, is such a great <clears throat> concept, and it's it kind of flows in. The first time, I don't think it landed quite as, in the same way as it did the second. I think repeat viewings warranted for this film for sure. the The idea of, and as we're watching and all of us are discussing in the chat, oh, do we believe in psychics? Do you believe? Do you care? What's this? What's that? But we kind of end in this place where the psychics naturally, because one, it's a creepy little tricycle on its own. Like just a little girl's tricycle is by nature, wonderfully horror movie fodder, but like just that. But then the nature of how we see it and how anyone sees it kind of became this sort of larger documentary. It just felt like a really great seed that this whole idea grew out of. If that's fair. I, I just felt like that was just a really, I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. I yeah. do have to say Like I mentioned to you last time, a uh, blue scarf psychic carrying the fucking water and weight of the entire psychic world as far as I'm concerned oh yeah
1: yeah Jude yeah Jude Mariah Mariah had a conversation with Jude at the opening uh premiere of the film at the Denver Film Festival I don't think it was a conversation more of an encounter she had an encounter yeah tell her what (laughs) she said
2: um hi everyone um so we were at the movie and I went up to her afterwards and I had said to her, Thank you for coming. I really enjoyed watching your reading because the way that she was just so animated and she was just so positive. And she looked me dead in the eye and she said, I know who killed me.
3: I'm like,
0: you
2: are John Bonet? And so yeah, it was it was very creepy.
0: What the fuck? That's the best. I kind of that's gonna be my new catchphrase. I know who I killed think. me. I know who just killed stare me, at people. Hey, Brooks, how you doing? I know who killed me. Just what the fuck?
1: Yeah, she was the best. And you know, also making a documentary too. Like I understand a lot more. I'm a big fan of documentaries, but once you make it, you have to choose a narrative. Like it's right. not like you just have all this stuff and you you throw it in a editing blender and it comes out. You have to create a story arc. You make a narrative, and you can you can dictate your point. Like a lot of documentaries, you know, it's like it's about um, you know anti Halliburton or whatever. And so we really made a big point of not making this trashing psychics, and not making it like we could we could make easily make it like the the psychics got everything right, or make it like they got nothing right. And really, that was. That was kind of pointless. I, we showed when they got things right. And we show when they got things so horribly wrong, it was funny. Like the Bruce Springsteen and stuff marshmallows. And so, um, so I think, yeah, I mean, if you believe in, it it, it,
0: it, it does walk that really great line because again, blue scarf lady, when I say she's carrying the weight of everyone, I mean it because like enough of the others, like I'm a, I'm generally a skeptic of all of that shit, obviously, but I sit there and I go, Huh? Like she's, huh? the whole time she says something, it's like, huh, because it's weird. Now, again, like someone made the comment, like, are they just pulling images from things? And the answer is, to me is yes. And it's kind of what I wanted to get into next because it's hard to describe, one, as an old person, what news used to be like to the kids. The second thing is it's hard to describe what Colorado was like during this time. And I kind of mentioned it before the film, that there is this really strange way that the nightly news, which we all watched over dinner or in the evening before bed, or, or in the morning, always had Jean Bonnet. It always had Jean Benet, And so I was telling this I mentioned that I was walking my son, and this is before this. I haven't thought about Jean Bonnet in years. But like a year ago, I was walking my son during Christmas time and I saw those and my brain went right back to because it was a brick house with the fucking candy canes. And it was just this like why did that go back to that? It's because it was every day. So I, I figured, cause you talked, you showed so much news. You have so many of these old tapes. What about the old news versus the new, how it was talked about? I just thought I'd give you a second and sort of kick you off on that direction if you're up for it.
1: Yeah. I mean, and there was, there was no CNN really at that time or it was just starting. And so the, the local news really had to carry a lot of weight, I think. And The one woman that we see a couple times on there she's standing in front of a screen um she came to denver from los angeles and um natalie peugeot is her name and she brought with her this idea about like standing in front of a screen and like walking around and stuff and like everyone in denver kind of hated it and they were like this is awful like she didn't she only lasted here about a year or two and Now that's what all the news is like. Like she really was like way like 20 years ahead of her time, but yeah, local news does seem kind of sensationalist and like, um, it's, it's kind of bizarre. And probably a lot of people don't even watch local news nowadays. Cause like you can watch news any time of day. Like you don't have to wait for it at the 10 o'clock news hour.
0: Yeah, it was a, it was a very different beast back then. It was how we got all of our news. Um, there was a, occasionally you'd have like the hour long network news that might lead in or lead out from it. But everyone knew Ward Lucas, like everyone knew Ward Lucas from when yeah. you, you were a child. Like it's yeah. just, these are people who just, they were like family almost in a creepy way. It's, I saw it Ed
1: at the post office and I was like, Oh my God, it's <laughs> Ed like, Sardella! I'm at the post office. It was, he was the grapefruit on TV for me.
0: That's wild. I've um, Uh, Fox 31's Libby Weaver I had a thing for when I was uh, in high school like it's 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 just very weird how like these people and how they become just such a deep personality and they would get I remember the first time I saw I think it was I think it was Ed Sardella actually I was like a a celebrity at the like he'd go into a restaurant and it was a big deal I was working at one and everyone was like oh my god oh my god it was it was like a rock star walked in it was very strange Yeah. It, it, the way news was handled then, and even the tabloids, and you go through in your show, and everyone is always shocked. All, well, the kids are always shocked, and I'm going to call them the kids because y'all are. Um, <laughs> the, the way tabloids used to be, now they're just like relationship magazines and all of that, but people don't remember before they were alive. That The tabloids, they published awful photos, death, and like... Faces of death level shit. And this is no different. To me, the stringing up of a doll in different positions is like pornographic. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah.
2: Wasn't there a tabloid that actually showed the real autopsy
1: photos? Yeah, that was the one that was in there. That was the
3: one that was in there? Yeah. I
1: don't know if people get that from the movie, but like that Globe magazine that actually had pictures from the autopsy that got leaked. Because the Boulder mm-hmm. Boulder police had their photographs developed at Moto Photo, <laughs> which is a friend of mine actually worked at Moto Photo. She she got crime scene pictures all the time. She made doubles of. But um uh so they leaked these pictures to the globe and then local stores weren't gonna carry them. And it's like you'll carry all these other like top pageant pictures and all this like other sensational stuff but you won't carry this one issue. And so I had I bought a bunch from the distributor, and I put up flyers around so that they couldn't censor it. Um, and I think I, I sold a couple in that period, but um, it's, it's, it's definitely pretty creepy. But that mannequin stuff with Mark Helgenberger is also creepy in a different way.
0: Very much. Um, one of the lines in, that stuck out to me this time around is... The woman at the Temple Buell uh, Theater asking you, "Do people want to touch it? Can I touch it? Like it this, this very. There's no way there isn't like an underlying sex thing, but it, like all I could think is just, I want to touch it. Let me touch it. Can I touch yours? Do you touch it a lot? Did do do? Is that the thing that happens? Because it's one of the things we see throughout. It is people almost can't help but touch it. Yeah, um, and
1: and the fact that they they don't run up to it and touch it when they know what it is, um, it, you know, if I just set it somewhere, someone they would get up and they would run up and write it. But like, But yep. if they know what it is, they come up, and then they slow down, and they're like, then they ask, and then they're still not sure if they want to touch it, but then they always do, and, and then, then they, they take, take their picture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have plenty of people taking selfies with it. <laughs>
0: And it's when when you watch the uh, the psychics when they're dealing with it, they're stroking and caressing it. It's it's an extraordinary. It was an extraordinary scene to watch this time around. So those are the things I wanted to sort of get up. We've got. I, I have no doubt we've got some people who want to have conversations, have questions, and I know Andrew, you actually enjoy asking questions of people because you're kind of that that person. So um, I'll open it up first to anyone but Andrew. Uh, do you have? Questions, comments, literally anything. I think we are now open. Have some fun. Who wants up? I'm going to call on you, Roger, if no one else goes. Um, I'll,
4: I'll step in here. Thank you, Bob. Um, yeah. Uh, man, what an excellent documentary, Andrew. Great, like, fantastic work. And, yeah, you've been at this sort of thing for a long time. So, Matt, incredible respect. Um, I'm kind of curious now. Um, I have a few questions, but I'll I'll start by asking um, in terms of the reaction of or lack thereof, or, I mean, I don't think you reached out to them for this, but I'm just curious about, like, the JonBenet Ramsey's family. Like, what role they played, if any, in this filming process. I don't mean participants, but you're thinking about them. I'm not saying, oh, sensitivity, because this has been, you know, done to death by everyone. Obviously, I think any sort of Coverage of it today is almost inconsequential or just symptomatic, right? But I'm unintended. just curious. Um, yeah. Um,
1: it, it's funny because it's like, in, in a lot of ways, it's not really about them. Like, there was, there's a, a radio, like a nationally syndicated radio guy. He's kind of a web sleuth. And he does like a crime radio show. And he's asked me to be on there a couple times, like around the anniversaries. Um, after the movie came out. And um, he he actually got a hold of John Ramsey because he was in touch with the family um, somewhat because he was trying to help solve the murder. And I, I think he didn't think that the parents were involved. So he was kind of working with them. So he actually showed John Ramsey a picture of the trike from the movie or from the website or something. Uh, and he said, um, you know, can you verify is this John Bonet's trike? and i was like i guess that would be the one thing i would want is for them to validate it and his answer was no comment (laughs) so which is good interesting
4: that he refused to comment
1: yeah and and the fact i mean if he said like no way that's not her trike like this is just a sham or whatever like that 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 would suck because you know that could actually have done some damage to be awkward
4: if you had to call bullshit on her
1: yeah. Call bullshit yeah, on yeah, then And you have, and proof, I you have get photographic lost, proof. Like, then I go to the news. Ah, that would be a hell say, of a fight. Yeah, I want to go like meet him and
4: like be on Geraldo together to talk, you know, <laughs> like, he's denying this. And then but, people would call him a liar, and then it would it would go way past that now because he's caught in this lie. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I mean to me it's really it's about like in a lot of ways it's about the obsession with True crime, which I also have, but like it's huge now. Like it's it's bigger now than it was.
4: It's so big. Even
1: when John Bonnet happened, there's like all these podcasts and everything, and like you know, wondering about the unknown and stuff. So yeah, as this professor in the movie says, like this movie's not meant to solve the crime. It's to really look at in the mirror and be like, why are we even watching this? <laughs> you know, why are we interested in this? Because we are, you know, but why?
4: Gotcha. yeah no I, I agree it's adjacent in a, in a very important way um, yeah. uh the other thing I'm kind of curious about um, is uh, is the tricycle actually the weirdest object
3: <laughs> this
4: whole in this whole like thing or have you become desensitized in a way to the tricycle uh, I and mean its presence after having handled it in so many ways if, is it for you just I don't know. Is it no longer the tricycle? I don't know. I, I mean, I'm
1: curious. I'm kind of desensitized to it, I think. Except for if someone really has a strong reaction to it. It kind of it kind of gives me chills because of their reaction. But I'll, I'll, I'll turn it over to Mariah to see if there's anything more weird or whatever that I collect. Well, I'm sitting uh, in his living room looking
2: at a <laughs> frame that has... Those monkey paws or like a raccoon, raccoon paws. Um, there's a a zombie Barbie that's dentist Barbie, yeah. No, it's not at all the weirdest thing he has. Um, he's a taxidermy fawn, yeah. Don't you have a painting by John Wayne
1: Gacy? Yeah, I have a Gacy painting. Gacy painting is pretty weird. I mean, it's like, and that's pop culture too, but it's like. That was, you know, that was actually touched by a murderer. Yes, I think yeah. that's that's that arguably that's
2: yeah, arguably strange
4: in some ways.
2: I don't think he has any like murderabilia other than that, I would think. I mean, I don't know if you have any like murder I, objects. Yeah, in... yeah, I don't. Yeah, think also so. a, is he also has his Borden's axe painting. Yeah, there's I mean, it's um I am an end of life doula or a death doula and so I I'm desensitized in the, the the horrific way. I'm more in touch with the, the um, emotional side of death and the spiritual side of death. But Andrew's really not a weird guy. He's actually the sweetest human being I've ever met in my entire <laughs> life. And he was long before we were partners. Like he just, he's full of empathy and curiosity and, and, the need to understand why people are obsessed with things is almost just as innocent as the need for him to know why, you know, how clocks work and, you know, how physics works and and the fact that he's worked with physicists and and uh, as his day job for over thirty years, it deals with curiosity. It's yeah, it's um, it's really not that strange.
3: Not, yeah, the bigger a, picture. No, bigger I, picture. I, I
4: think that's a big, I think that's good to defend this behavior as uh, not, not strange in a substantial well, sense.
2: It's just curiosity, and, and we hide death so much in this society and don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there's some outrageous statistic about, you know, something like 80 some percent of true crime listeners are women and the reason that's the case is because they're trying to prepare themselves to not die
1: but there's more to it
2: you than know what it is
4: like stay sexy don't get murdered yeah
1: uh-huh. right? yeah, yeah.
3: yeah.
1: Uh, my mom had a funny thing at the at the premiere my mom went up to david thomas who's the professor in the movie known um, he's known in our circle as the hot professor <laughs> he's a really cool guy but um, she was like, "Thank you so much for making my son not look crazy." <laughs> <laughs>
4: yes, because, there's, a, there's a weird legitimization of it.
1: Yeah, and he's he brings in the the kind of intellect, intellectual aspects of the movie and the the pop culture and stuff. It was it's not just like oh, there's a crazy guy who collected the weird stuff,
4: you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. My other question is, I mean, I don't know much about um, the, like the application of these theories of fun that you and that professor have had, but um, he notes in documentary, um, you know, that the people who discuss this case are probably not going to be the, are probably not going to be the serious people, right? And I'm curious, um, you know, being kind of ignorant of the theories of fun, if like, and what that means, um, how those are, how you applied those in the filmmaking process. Uh, clearly, you guys are laughing and smiling throughout it, but I'm just curious, like, what the practice of fun in the documentary making was.
1: Yeah, and the fun, you can break down fun into, like, a bifurcation of what's real and what's expected and what's unknown or what's a sense of wonder, and so... Something fun is something that you didn't know what was going to happen, or it's not something that you normally do all the time. Uh, And so I think the expectations, which is one of the reasons I really enjoy presenting this movie, is because no one really knows what it's about. No matter how much you can have log lines and taglines and trailers and stuff, people have a preconceived notion of the movie. And it's almost never correct, I think, because... A movie takes you places that you would you could not have guessed. It took me places I could not have guessed. So, um, I think that's that's kind of the basis of the theory of fun is presenting something that either goes beyond or outside of expectations, and that's why you remember something, and that's why you talk about something the next day. You're like, oh, I saw this band last night, and they did this, this, and this. It's it's the things that you didn't expect. And so that that follows not just with fun, but just interest and wonder, I think, too. But it's 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 literally that kind of bifurcation of, of fun and play that, um, you know, you you're experiencing something
4: that you didn't know how it was going to turn out. Oh, it's interesting um, to maybe push back a little bit on your bifurcation or actually to maybe grow it a little bit. Uh but in terms of presenting the documentary to people, but that presentation of expectation, right, is, or lack of expectation is this, this weird intention kind of gets at, um, kind of like, um, say I sit down to play D&D, right? You never know what's going to happen during a game of D&D. But one of the things about D&D is that you never know what's going to happen during a game of D&D. So it's this... I No, it's it's weird. Um, that's uh, that's uh, curious though. The the screening process, screening um, your own film, just sounds like a very or screening one's own film sounds like a very um, fun <laughs> uh, thing yeah. to do. Well, so on the
1: D and D aspect, are you saying that because you your expectation is you don't know what's going to happen, then that's kind of uh, Mobius in some way, or yeah, we're
4: able to kind of regulate this right it's not so much that it's unexpected it's kind of that um some kind of uh expected um or some expectations are set and then allow the fun to come from that and that's the weird difference i think between maybe a couple different types of fun a fun and that's kind of organized uh, versus a disorganized fun and the disorganized fun to me in the instance of the documentary seems to be searching the garage looking for that um tabloid right whereas the organized fun is the is the actual cutting of the documentary right the video editing and then the the subsequent screenings
1: yeah yeah those are two very different things and like whenever i'm looking for anything i find 100 things that i wasn't looking for and those are also amazing so (laughs) it's pretty awesome to come across like i'm digging through boxes
4: that was one of my favorite parts of the documentary is just kind oh. of um, digging through this um, American pickers kind of collection. Yeah. You got, Come
1: on like, over. He's got,
3: to, got, <laughs> he got a lot to look more at.
1: stuff to pick through. Well, I've thought about too. I mean, that, that art show of my collections, um, I could put, put a link uh, in the chat or something, but um, the art, that art show was three months long show. It was the biggest show that that gallery had. Um, it was on the national news, CBS evening news with Katie Couric. Um, and it was so amazing to go through all my stuff. And I, I, literally photographed every object and, um, put it in this, uh, exhibition. Um, and I've thought about, um, unboxing, like having unboxing videos, like on a YouTube channel or something. I just pick up.
3: yeah, just that would be fantastic.
1: like. Because everything's got a story, like some things I don't necessarily know who gave it to me or where I got it, but a lot of things I do, and the context of the stories of those things are more, way more than just a
4: photo of the thing. Um, That kind of brings me actually to my next discussion point, and after that I'll shut up for a little bit so somebody else can say something. (laughs) Um, But... uh, I, I'm kind of curious, and maybe the documentary has informed this in some ways, maybe it hasn't, but you're a lifelong collector before the documentary, it seems. Um, kind of uh, about the way in which you kind of imbue an object with fun or some sort of sacredness or um, retention. Uh, do you have any kind of ritual? Um,
1: not. No, I don't think so. I, I literally... Um, if I see something I want to collect and like, I I consider a collection, anything I have two or more of. (laughs) So like, if I have one of something, then I, it's not a collection. It's just a thing I have. And it's kind of, you know, something I like, but if I have more than one of it, or if I see one at a thrift store, it's like, Oh, I have another one of those. If I get another one, then it could be part of this collection. So I think that, that, that kind of grouping is part of, thing and so to have more of something in the in the okay, certain so for group. you
4: to have more than one okay yeah um Interesting.
1: but then also the categorizing is like a daunting kind of part of the um not really ritual but like if i have if i if i if i collect dukes of hazard stuff if anyone remembers that or knows of that tv show it was a while ago from my childhood yes. but they, they did a lot of merchandising so i have a, a dukes of hazard metal trash can, and I have a Dukes of Hazzard sleeping bag for kids, and I have a Dukes of Hazzard watch, um, and a Dukes of Hazzard lunch box. So does my Dukes of Hazzard trash can go with all the Dukes of Hazard stuff, or does it go with my metal trash cans? Because I also have a, a BG's metal trash can and um, uh, some other metal trash cans. I have a whole collection of watches, weird watches. So it's like I have to separate out the the Dukes of Hazard collection into these other collections because it's a physical object. You like you know, if it's a website, I can tag it with a lot of different. Like things. that dilemma. Yeah. So it's like so that that's the collector's dilemma. If you if you have like hundreds of separate collections. So I know that wasn't exactly your question about ritual, but I don't really have. No, I think that's that's dilemma. perfect.
4: Yeah. No, you've explained your ritual, which I think is probably like. Illustrated a little bit by this tension and also um a lack of uh stru- if at least as far as I can understand, a bit of randomness, a lack of order.
3: Yeah in terms of your yeah,
4: collecting sure. habits. I, I, so just
1: watch watch of I just posted a link oh, to watch later. I just posted a link to watch of the CBS it's, Evening it's... news. Katie couric did not like my
3: collections, by the way.
1: She's like, oh like she, she wasn't here. She sent Steve Hartman. He's he's like the Assignment America guy who goes out around the country. And he was awesome. He brought some stuff he collected. He came in my garage, and he was like, what's in this box? And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, what if I throw it away? And I was like, don't do that. And he's like, why not? And I'm like, because there's great stuff. And he's like, but you don't even know what's in here. You won't even miss it. You won't remember it. I was like, but I know it's cool. So, you know, like he
3: kind of trusted me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he was awesome. But then, yeah. So when after the piece they show, and she's just like, "Oh, I feel like I want to wash my hands after that, or whatever." She was just, she was kind of bummed out on it.
0: Well, there's there's an aspect, and it's one of the things, um, like when I watch it, and I mean when we had a chance to talk, um that like identify personally with. I collect, I collect weird, stupid shit. I've always done it, and it's specifically things that shouldn't exist. And I don't know how else to put it, but like the only reason that these things exist is because of the weird way that things get made by this algorithm or this person making a thing based on this that makes no... Like, an example, um, I, I just bought... Um, if you remember the Dancing Cactuses, I don't know if you've ever had one. <laughs>
3: um,
0: I found one that plays, and it's not a joke, has three hard Spanish Mexican hip-hop songs, and it's, uh, it's from Squid Game. Whoa. So it's a squid game dancing cactus that raps. Oh my god. Uh uh, Spanish. It (laughs) that's amazing. I have literally no idea how this exists as a thing, and it shouldn't exist. There you go. Ah, There you go.
1: Nice, nice.
0: But it's like just things that shouldn't be things, and it's one of the things I I love about this: is all of your stuff. It's the reason I like the aesthetic of it, it's the reason I, I personally went. Well, this makes sense. None of that's, of course, it's not garbage. That's, that's a mort Mork from work uh, a doll, even though, like, I think any reasonable person may say otherwise, uh, I get it. And it's a thing I, I've always enjoyed sort of the fascination of what we build and why, and that someone spent time on a thing, even if that thing is really just a fire in itself. Um, so I, I really loved that, um. Yeah, fascinating shit. Um, I want to take a minute and talk about the empty signifier, the way that the tr- the tricycle becomes whatever kind of people need it to be. Uh, Roger, if I can get you to take a moment and expand a little bit.
5: Um, I was reflecting on my comment and it could be the empty signified, because it's the object. Mm. But right. that's, that's that's the problem. That's, it could be both, you know, the empty signifier in the sense that it comes from nowhere, and when it starts to play a role into the um, story, you know, um, I think it's Andrew, right? Andrew gives it the story a sort of sense, and then, you know, you get all those psychics coming in and, you know, building sense on it, like, over and over, and the, the, the movie takes all those layers at the same time. So um, the, the tricycle is this serial object, at the same time it it takes on so many meanings at the same time um i should i should reflect more on the inverted position saying that it's the empty signified because had, yeah so i'll i'll leave it at that it
0: it works for me it's one of those things um it it has no meaning on its own like I I've, I love the cover because uh, it's just the tricycle. There's no picture of jean benet Ramsey. There's the picture, the cover of the documentary. It's just a very simple image of it. Uh, and even the the promotional pics are all this, it's the, the sock monkey's riding the tricycle is kind of like <laughs> the most hint I get of, out of anything, and it has no meaning other than being just that and how little effort it takes to bestow it. And uh, the psychics, I think, are almost, um, I don't know, the they're the ones who tell us this. And we, they do it sort of in that moment as you bring it out and how your body language is or how they immediately react. and Because that's how psychics work. They're brilliant emotional readers. And you're not exactly not emotive, Andrew, just letting you know. Um, <laughs> I tried so hard. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, they, they don't need much to pick up on. And at that point, they run with it. And all it takes is just the littlest sense of a person's movement or eye contact or how they move or even how you place it and how you're ginger with it versus slamming it on the table or how you handle it. All of those things are things that imbue it with a secondary meaning. And then when you lay that like nuclear bomb of meaning on them and all of them recoil and all people do where they go, oh, but where Because it's. Oh, it's creepy. Oh, it's, oh, is this. Oh, fuck. And it's that, that transition and that movement into becoming the thing. And it's, uh, it's a lot. I, I, I know you have a ton to say on it, but I just kind of, I, I had to comment cause it's, I really love the way that it kind of moves through the story that way.
1: Yeah. And the psychics, the, the it, when I got out the trike and it would have that squeak like that I was like, It's trying to be like ginger with it, but then it has like an awful squeak, which was amazing. But um, and the sock monkey was really meant to um, it was really meant to just kind of get them to warm up to the camera being there and stuff. Um, You know, I didn't I didn't think it was really going to be in the final edit. It was it was really just to, you know, get them to get. Well,
0: you're throwing them off the scent. Like you were trying to throw them off the scent, give them a baseline that was some other thing, or maybe just not just go right to little girl tricycle. Right. But then
1: in the end, because a lot of them said the same thing about it, whether that was true or not, it was interesting that they all kind of, you know, they they come from the same kind of unconscious school of perception or whatever. And then it was like, I see a boy and I see a man and stuff. It was like, so that was really fascinating. And I put it in the movie because it was like, you know, so we, we, you know, we had the scene where the the woman describes that that was her childhood object. Cause I was just like, we need some kind of control object that we know what it is. But it, it was interesting that we, we ended up putting that in the movie. Cause it was just as interesting as the trike in the sense of just giving it to psychics and seeing what six different psychics say about it.
0: Well, it was cause the, the sock monkey. And again, uh, we're talking about being mid Midwest white kids uh, in the '80s. That's kind of the, the people we're talking about here. Um, I don't know any guys our age who actually grew up with a sock puppy, uh, a monkey, a sock monkey. That like it was my my fe- my female friends, my my cousins. Um, so when they said boy, and all of them went to it, it was like this. Wait, what? What am I missing? Where am I disconnected from yeah. everything?
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, my mom ha- collects monkey. My mom's not a huge collector, but she collected one thing in her life, and it was monkeys. And so, my,
0: she, my mom like, too. Oh
1: man, that's what, what is it about? Did monkeys? she grow up in Inglewood? Did she grow up in Inglewood? Yes. Oh no, she didn't. She didn't grow up in Inglewood. She grew up in Ohio. Mm. I grew up in Inglewood, but um, yeah. but yeah. So she had sock monkey, and she was really enthralled with the sock monkey. But yeah, I don't know any boy who has a sock monkey. Now that you mention it,
0: it was just it was funny, and then um, the. The ending, I kind of wanted to just also take a second on, and then we'll open it back up. Um, the, you placing the trike at the grave. Going and doing that, first off, um, it's also, I think, the only scene that you don't shoot that's in color. that's not in, it's not in Colorado. Correct, um, yeah. And so it's like everything else is there. So I have two things. First, you kept writing in, does anyone know where we are? Does anyone know where we are? Please no. Tell me where you were and why you kept saying that.
1: Um, it, it's 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 something I wasn't sure if people get in the movie because it's like you show this thing where I'm taking it apart and like what the fuck is he doing taking that apart and then I I take it to the airport or whatever and then you you see it like get off the plane and yeah. so it, w- it was meant to be kind of this interspersed road story like oh where where are you going whatever and then you you you're at this vast thing Like city with all of these, um, you know, road signs and big trees. We're kind of zeroing in to Marietta, Georgia from Atlanta. Um, oh, shit so we flew, I get it now. So we flew to Atlanta and then drove to Marietta where she's buried, and that was where the family had moved to Boulder from.
0: And well, that's where that's where her uh Patsy's sister was buried, yeah. And everyone, like, that's their family plot,
1: yeah. And Patsy is buried there now, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. I mean, to me, the, the it, it may be kind of an Easter egg, too, for people who are super into the crime that she, you know, they, they had this murder, it was on Christmas. Within the second week of January, or maybe even the first week of January, they had already moved. They moved back to Georgia. They took the body. They took all the evidence. You know, it was, like, really fast. So I, I, I felt like we had to go there. Like, my my boss actually was, like, was telling him about making the movie, and he was like, Where's the kid buried? And I was like in Georgia. He's like you got to go there. You got to take the trike. You got to go give her back the trike. Like and I was like what? And he's like just go 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 take the trike to the grave and give it back to her. I was like holy shit like and he was being kind of flippant but then I'm like that's actually a pretty powerful thing because the trike was part of her ha- a happier time in her life, right? It was like she was just a kid riding the trike. She wasn't a beauty queen With all the pressure of the pageants and her parents and stuff, and like I don't know, she probably liked to be in the beauty pageants to some degree. Maybe not as much as she was, but um, but yeah. And then taking the trike and kind of putting it on her grave, like that was pretty intense. Like it was cool. Um, And I took it apart. I think just I I think there was some limit to how big of a box I could check, and I I didn't want to mail it. It It's like what if the fucking post office loses it. I mean I the airline could have lost it, but at least it's on the same plane with me. And so I was just like, I gotta put this in a smaller box. And it was like weird taking it apart, but it was also like, whatever I do to it, I'm gonna film it. And it ends up being kind of a fun, you know, music only, like not not any talking. There's a lot the movie's got a lot of talking. So it's like it was a fun kind of part of the road story is like taking it apart and then putting it back together in Georgia taking it to the graves you know it was like i just thought it was a fun kind of thing to like dismantle it and put it back together
0: i i almost i appreciate because i have i'm betting it crossed your mind even for a moment of doing the dismantling of it alongside the description and the and the tabloids of the autopsy
1: <laughs> that did not cross my mind where were you <laughs> when i was making this
3: was <laughs> oh,
1: shit. and you know
3: that um,
1: was i mean it was 20 years 20 years later um, and we were there, and not any kind of certain date—not her birthday, not the death day or whatever. There were people at the graves. There were people hanging up ornaments in the in the trees, and you know, people asking us what we were doing. And we had to actually wait for some people to leave before we could. Um, so, as many people go to Boulder and go see the house and take their picture at the house, they're also going to her graves. You know, like probably daily. And oh, it's
0: it's all cemetery, the
1: time. Um, you know, we we wrote them for a location release, and so many people were filming there, especially because TV shows were going there because of the 20th anniversary and stuff. They charged us $700 for a location release to film there. So it's like when people post, like, I can't believe you would make this movie and try to profit off this crime or whatever. It's like, a, we didn't make any money on the movie. B, that fucking cemetery is making money off <laughs> dead bodies in, in in their in their place.
0: Wild. No, no. The 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 crazy thing about these tragedies, and a lot of people who see them happen or watch on TV, when when you have been a national murder victim, your gravesite will never not be loved, and it's. One of the strangest things I've ever seen, uh, having watched a few of them, have this happen, um, uh, when you go and you feel like you you don't visit a grave forever when you're like when you know someone. at some point, you kind of just stop going and then you make a return back. And it's this weird feeling of, intense personal guilt when you show up and it's obvious, literally random day of the week, seven people came, someone kissed the gravestone as they did for her. Uh They're laying beanie babies and toys. And it's just this really awful feeling of like, you're the person who doesn't, but it's, it's because when you're at that level, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of people want to visit your grave. All you need is for three to do it on any given day. The odds are pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. And so it's a very strange sort of it's a strange reality to live in when when you're a dead famous victim. It's it's got it's it's extraordinary. I know who killed me. That's that's gonna be (laughs) that's gonna be the title of this episode, by the way. That's gonna (laughs) be the that is perfect. Um no, well, leave any other last questions, comments, Andrew, any questions for us about watching it? We are a weird group who read weird books and we have lots of weird opinions. So if you have anything you want to know, no one here is going to hold back. Don't worry about yeah, it, it. We are a loud, annoying people.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I would but- love to hear any kind of critical comments on it. Like I can handle it. Um, but also I'm curious, like this movie did not get in a bunch of festivals it's not a typical documentary style because the the interviewer is obviously familiar and, and we use the interviewer to show reaction. Some some critics didn't like that. And I posted this all over, like some of the, the John Bonnet web sleuth groups, um, mostly women, which is mm-hmm. weird, but like a lot of them were turned off by it. I thought they'd, they'd be really interested in it and turned off by it, not meaning they watched it, but meaning they're like, this is horrible. Like, you know, this is exploitative or whatever. It's like, no, 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 Geraldo and every single news show that showed her dancing around in lipstick and wigs, that's exploitative. Her parents putting her in those pageants was exploitative. This movie, who the people cr- crit- you know, being critical of it had not watched it yet um, or at all, um, you know, they they assumed what it was about. And so. I guess my question now cuz I'm still trying to promote the movie like is there a way to promote it that I mean I like people not knowing what it's about we talked about expectations but if the expectations are so negative that they're not going to watch it then that's 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 I fail if people don't actually watch it. Oh
0: I so I have a, you know, a I strong, think I hate watching. I I actually think that um, so let's let's break things up. Let's not necessarily ascribe to the Jean-Benet true crime people that they think it's disgusting because it's disgusting. They think it's exploitative because it's exploitative. They say these things because uh, to go back to Roger's point about the tricycle being an empty signified, the documentary kind of is too. There's, it is the meaning that you put into it and these people who their obsession and their personal arousal is the death of a little girl, when you actually kind of show them that, which is what this does, Probably not the audience you want. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, that's fair. Their... But they're not even watching. It. No. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I mean, they probably I would, did. I would, I would and add they probably probably, true
4: crime fanatics. True crime fanatics are the ones who discuss exploitation more than anyone else, probably. Uh, yeah, they're awful. <laughs> <powerful. laughs> um,
5: yeah. But yeah. I, Andrew, I, Andrew, I, I, I would think say people will hate watching
4: okay. in terms of promotion. Okay. Sure.
5: Uh, we're the same generation. And, you know, it's a pretty punk rock documentary, you know. Uh, It shows, your biography shows all through it. It's a really prankster kind of thing. You know, on one side, you have the exploitation, the capitalist exploitation of this girl and stuff. And you're trying to make something, something different, you know, stitch stuff together, like the DIY kind of thing. So that's probably why one of the aspects that it's like bringing punk rock to TV. It doesn't fit, you know. It's like having fear on fucking SNL, you know. It's just a shit show, and people are just like, "What the fuck is that?" So I think it's a it's a matter of um a different discourse. It's a different form of communication. It's also a different structure. So uh, you know, I'm just stating the obvious. You know that as well, but uh, I don't I don't have any tips.
0: <laughs> no, I, I would also say you have a problem. My my first thing is I would say. There's two. I'm going to give the critique, and then it's the other's, the other's a critique that's actually a compliment. Um, I would just say that it's uh, the name. It's the way that Bonnet's tricycle is up front. It's not so much that it, and this is the other half, it's not about the tricycle. I mean, it 100% is, but the tricycle is simply the central object that's exploring the larger theme. Obviously, you know this. So you've actually made something that is smarter than it is putting off at first. And so the audience, I would say, that you should be more aiming at is, I don't want to say people like us uh, because that sounds weird, but there's a kind of person who kind of likes the story of things, the idea of things, the discussion of things. And this fits very cleanly more into that than just... It's not just a simple documentary about, hey, here's this object. It is, it isn't. There's actually a much larger story here.
1: Yeah, so I mean, in some sense, I guess I could have interviewed some web sleuths and getting their disgust on camera, and then I can pitch the movie as like, web sleuths hate this movie. (laughs) Because I I was really thinking that they would be into it because it's like fucking further in. They want to look at everything and yeah. look really far in, but they they don't even wanna know about this.
0: Well, and it's I think and Orby hits it, it's it's less that ultra true crime. It's the the American pickers people, the people yeah. who like when I and I get this, and that's why I think I if I had to tell you where I get like aroused for this, where my my sexuality comes from, why I wanna to touch it, um, is because I have Things like this that are very weird, one of a kind, like moments in time captured in an object that people care about. And as you have those and as people see them, it's not at all really the object. It's the treasure hunt. It's the story of the treasure. And it's why does treasure attract us? And in this case, why does treasure matter? And so it's American Pickers people, people who have that uh, storage wars people. That kind of thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> feels like a, feels like a. Actually, this is the story of this object, but it's why we give a shit about objects specifically like this.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. The headline could be like, or the subtitle like, "A man who is involved in storage wars with himself,
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> competing with himself to figure out which object he likes the most or the least." Storage
4: strangling. That's right. <laughs> Maybe poor
0: taste, but (laughs) yeah, Uh, the it 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 could be something like that. If I had to say though, it's um so I this is not the first time I've heard about the movie Andrew. This like I I the first time I watched it was uh, you and I reconnected um, because I was buying Warlock Pinchers merch again. Um, and I was like, oh shit, and I'd gotten an email, oh shit, it's out finally, I can watch it. Um, it's not the first time. I didn't fight to watch it before because it. It felt like it was the documentary about a thing, which I, you know, some people like, it's generally not for me, but it's a hundred percent. Not that this is a, this is a discourse. This is a very, and I mean, this it's a very good documentary.
1: I appreciate that. I appreciate everyone's like, you know, comments and, and just watching it and stuff. It's, you know, I've, I've screened it several times and it's just always it's fascinating to see what people ask and what people are interested in. and it's it's awesome, because I mean, and every time whenever I watch it, I'm like, "Damn, this is a good movie. Like I really we we set out to do a thing, and like, it, I really, I don't think I could really would really change that much if i if I redid it or whatever, you know. Have you ever
2: gotten a negative comment from someone who said they watched it and it was horrible
1: and they just hated it? no, no never. Anyone I mean, who I mean, likes it. I mean, yeah. I and, and I'm sure there are people like who came to some of the screenings, who who didn't come up to me afterwards because they hated it or whatever. But like, most, I mean, the people who come up are like, I I didn't really know what this was going to be about, but it was amazing. Or you know, those kind of comments is exactly, what I, what I. Well,
0: what I, I I would vote. I think a very simple change would just be the title, and I think that might do it. So you do this. There's this moment, and I think if there is a moment for me of like truth in it is when she, I, when she's asking you and you're like, Oh, I'm actually gonna make a document. She's like, Oh, what about which thing? Ha ha. And you, for the only time I've ever seen ever. And, uh, it's actually a decent amount are sheepish and a little embarrassed.
2: <laughs> I need to hang out with them more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but I, mean, <laughs> but I mean, like the whole thing, you're smiling you're, and it's this first moment where you're like, you're trying to muster almost the courage to say what the thing is. Yeah, That moment is a powerful moment that doesn't land at all because literally everyone watching it already knows. And anyone watching it who already knows, there's two people. People like my mom, who I said, oh, I'm actually, I watched this documentary, Jean-Benet's Tricycle, and she's like, why would you watch that? Because to her, it's the story of child murder. Yeah, That's what it is. And because it's hard to get away from that. Whereas if it was just called... Uh, the the trike, uh, the, the pink trike tricycle, the yeah, the the sock puppet and the trike, some uh, <laughs> Andrew's whatever tricycle. it may be, that'd
4: be better. Andrew Novak, Andrew's
0: tricycle. <laughs> the story of things. <laughs> the story. We when you said the
1: story of things, Mariah and I both both like looked at each other. like, yeah, that's a great um, it's a great
0: Story of things with a photo of it in front of a whole bunch of your other shit in a wall and nice high contrast with poppy colors and that's it. Story of things doesn't say which one it is. It's just one of the other things in it. And or somebody taking a selfie with it. That would, yeah, exactly. It's it's those. It's because then the rest of it is. It opens. You're a you're a nutcase who's got all this shit. What the fuck is this? Oh wait. You oh what? And then then it's the left turn. Um. That moment can land stronger. And I think the name alone is what sets people off again, the documentary. And I, having been through, uh, having been a person who's in the situation that the tricycle in theory might be, who's touched a lot of really people and people's nerves about major tragedies. If you open and tell people you're going to be talking about a tragedy, people turn away, even if you have a really fucking good thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's I mean, just because
0: I mean, people don't like that.
1: Yeah, and I thought—I mean, I thought, well, this is—you know—this is obviously a flippant but catchy title that it's going to make people like, oh, I'm going to read about what this is about and see what what could possibly be about a tricycle. You know, like I—I I maybe naively thought
5: well, it was—it
1: would just be a, enough of an eye-catching thing that people would look further. But no, they don't need to look well, further. It, they can always—they can already judge it by just the title alone.
0: I will. I will uh, do a self plug here because it is worth checking out Brooks's uh, TED Talk, uh, which is on the server somewhere. Um, that
4: threw me off so fucking hard.
0: Well, that's that's the point. That. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, pause this and go go search Brooks Brown TEDx, uh, watch it, and then come back. You'll know. But I mean, Andrew already knows. Um, I open it by talking about how meaning is produced. How our experience kind of creates the moment to moment of our lives, how uh, that moment to moment is how we tell stories. And uh, an, a, an event, a hardcore event is kind of this thing that reorganizes all of those moments. And I'm going through this is like heady philosophy stuff there. Thank you very much, Bob. Um, and then, uh, about halfway through, I start telling my story about my life. And I'm this, I'm that, blah, blah blah. And then I mentioned, that um, I was a uh, friends with the shooters at Columbine, and now at that you point, you see my
4: friend Dylan. The line is my burned. Fr- and my friend
0: Columbine. Dylan. It's a weird moment, uh, and it like it, you should have been in the room. It was fucked up. Uh, everyone, there's a chill because everyone suddenly realizes. And my point is, now that you know that, I can never not be that. Uh-huh. Like my life will always be that. I've set... so. My story, I could have up front said, hey, I'm Brooks Brown, I'm going to tell a story about tragedy and blah, blah, blah. But literally, <laughs> in the the program for this, uh, originally, it had n- no description. I was the only person who had no description for my talk. I had no subtitle and no title. And it was just Brooks Brown, blah, blah, blah. And it's because you want that moment, because it turns people... If I say, oh, I'm going to talk to me talk to you about a bunch of kids getting murdered... Mm. but i'm going to talk to you actually about how tragedy changes people's lives ah, I don't i'm going to talk to you about how events shape lives and how traditional storytelling fall. Oh, oh i'll listen to that oh wait what like that is that right turn is a really fun one and you have a this is actually just that like this is just such a good version of that it's unbelievable
1: wow yeah that's cool i i uh I could easily just rebrand this in a different place with a different title. I mean, I could literally just put it on Vimeo again, a separate title and see what it does. I could put it on 10 times with 10 different titles or 10 different pictures or whatever it'd be Do interesting it. to see which one gets the clicks, you know?
0: Actually, that would be hilarious. We, uh, would you be up for us helping you write some good titles? Oh,
1: for sure. For sure.
0: Does anyone here want to help write a title or two and some descriptions and see on which one will A-B test
1: them? There was an alternate title in the comments a while back. Uh,
0: yes, well, that's well, Rogers. Uh, I think we penned it to the thread. Uh, oh, no, we didn't. Where is it?
4: I know who killed me. There's a great fucking
0: title.
1: <laughs> that goes right to the heart of the tragedy.
2: Yeah, talk to... Make, her yeah.
1: make sure she's okay with us using her line <laughs> yeah um, well you know it's funny because I, I have like a, a, a tagline and a logline and they're, they're very generic I mean obviously the title is already the title when people read the logline um, but let's see if I can pull it up somewhere here um, but it's like uh, let's see if I can find it unique individual andrew novick is a unique individual who collects almost everything and reveals some of the darker things he has acquired over the years the story of things
0: yeah, yeah the story. story of things is a good one yeah. I, I i think there's a lot of fun stuff you could do with it i would that would be if i had any critique because i do think the current arc works i think the current setup works i like the closing it is uh this time last time the first time watching it i had to sort of sit for a minute it was a lot i think uh, pepsi was here roger was here we just kind of huh okay so this is not what i thought it was going to be fucking at all
1: (laughs) yeah and i think um um, yeah so my log line says what does john benny ramsey's tricycle reveal about us so i was trying i'm trying to like turn it around it's not about her it's about us um
0: how about this let us let us wordsmith some shit and we will come up with a bunch and we will test them that will, and we will have fun.
1: That would be awesome. That would be so super cool. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, and the thing about the ending, you mentioned the ending before it's like, I wanted it to end with a serious note at the cemetery. And like, you know, we're there kind of mourning her. It's not flippant. It's not, you know, and we walk away and we leave the trike there. Right, so some people are kind of left, like, did you actually leave the trike there? And it's like, well, no, because it would have just got thrown away, or someone would have stole it. So, but um, but then the very final scene into the credit roll is where it's writing it by itself, and yeah. that was I think that was maybe an idea of the editor who really helped a lot with the, the kind of arc of it. Um, with it, he he has like a ton of subtle things that he put in, but um, it was like it's like we gave it. And we gave it back to her at her grave, but then wait, here it is writing itself. And it's, it's going over bumps and it's going right at the camera. And it was like, you know, this, this is just the beginning of its journey, you know, because making the movie and you seeing the movie is just the beginning of what you're going to think about it or tell someone about it or whatever. So it's like, that's it kind of living on beyond the film.
5: I have a question. There was a scene towards the end. I don't know if I'm confusing that scene with what you're saying, but there's a little girl on the tricycle, and she gets abducted or something like that. What what's up with that? Oh,
1: that was the scene. So we wanted we wanted to take it back to the scene of the crime, as it were, which is the alley where it was originally found by me, um, allegedly. Uh, and so we were we were and we had this kid who was dressed up like John Bonet, you know, several points throughout the movie. So she was riding it down the alley where the, in the back of the house where the trike was originally found. And, you know, we, we might, we filmed a couple takes and we, she was riding in the public space, not in the driveway of the, the people. And so we weren't really doing anything wrong, but the the garage door opened and we all just like freaked out and ran. Like we were like, Oh my God, we got to get out of here. And like, so the mom was there. Mariah was there, somebody grabbed the kid, somebody grabbed the trike, the cameraman grabbed the camera, but it was still rolling, so we're all, like, running away. So we were just running away from the people who, I don't know if you saw my comment in there, but the current owners of the house is Robert Schuler's daughter. Pastor Robert Schuler, like, the old white-haired guy with the thick glasses, he's, like, a televangelist. And they bought the house to try to give it, like, some love, you know, or whatever, But, um, yeah, we were just scared. (laughs) We were scared of the people catching us filming, even though we weren't doing anything wrong. But it did look kind of like an abduction scene.
3: That's so good. (laughs) One
1: of those things we wouldn't have expected. So, like, we put it in the movie because we thought it was kind of funny. But, yeah, it's like it's not necessarily... uh... So there's some kind of lower third that says something. I can't remember what it says, but... um about that that's the house or something
0: crazy um i am gonna bounce i'm gonna leave the recording and andrew uh please if if, please continue chatting i have to go uh be a dad put my son to bed all that fun stuff um when this is over just go ahead and uh uh, take off there's no rush i would just want to thank you very much this has uh, been a wonderful discussion and again i genuinely really really like this documentary and found it to be much more than i expected awesome. and i'm really glad we got a chance to share it with the group and uh with you tonight yeah. so thank you very much thank
1: you for putting this on and thanks for introducing me to everybody and this is it's, it's cool
0: yeah uh, everyone please continue because this is very good discussion
4: Yeah, and andrew if you have to go feel free as well at this point yeah
1: i mean let me know if you guys have any other so- thoughts or comments
0: no, that was me. I, I spoke as I was muting myself. I apologize. <laughs> bye bye. Huh.
4: um, I my uh, other question, I guess, is again about collecting. Um, collecting is a very fun thing for you. It seems because you seem to be pretty. Um, you know, someone decided to make a or teach a lecture with you about fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I I assume for the most part that's true, but um, the darker side of collecting one of the things, I guess, for me in collecting is that I'm always kind of scared of the idea of collecting things. Not I do collect things, um, sort of out of a sense that if, like a future me will appreciate it, right? Or kind of pressure myself. But um, the ability to forget, I think, rather than just like the idea of dark objects, right? I'm more interested in um, being able to forget some things, and not collecting, and not having Items from um, periods of your life. Um, do you find yourself um, getting rid of things? Never. Often because you want to forget something? Never? No. I mean, I, I, I'd I, say I have some things that
1: are like, you know, negative memories or whatever. But I, I don't get rid of those. I mean, I might box them up. I might not tell anyone or show anyone. Like, I'm obviously, like, a very social person. And, like, I love... Uh, showing people stuff you know so people come over to my house and they ask you know like oh this is cool and i'll be like oh wait till you hear the, where i got that or whatever and it's like i love sharing those things so it's not just for myself um it's for being able to talk about it and and show people and remember and so but yeah i, I seldom get rid of anything like I sold a couple of things on eBay when eBay first started, but they were like doubles of things that I had, you know, like I really, my websites, I save com, And like, I, I really don't get rid of anything. I don't, I don't do collecting for um, monetary value or resale. Like some people they, they know what's valuable and they, they, you know, they, they find the stuff and they take it to their thrift mall and they sell it or whatever but yeah Yeah. i think i can collect and have something and hide it away so that it's not seen um but i still have it you know and like i don't know if if i lost everything in a fire you know there's just a fire and a boulder and like a thousand homes burned down to the ground like nothing left um yeah that would be awful um but like I don't know. I'm not so attached to things that I couldn't live without them either. Like I, I collect things. I mean, in some sense, out of convenience. Like somebody posted hoarder in the in the comments. And when I had that big art show, somebody from the radio came and they were gonna interview me about this art show of like this. There was eight thousand objects. And he he brought the definition of hoarder from like the Mayo Clinic or whatever. But then he was like. He's like, I was going to lead off with this definition of hoarding, but he's like, this is not hoarding. If this stuff destroyed your life, or if you, if you, you know, couldn't pay your rent because you had all this stuff that you could have sold, or had to have a storage yeah. space for twenty years,
3: there or there were
1: dead animals underneath yeah. it, or rotten food, like that's that's, yeah. that's what a Piss. hoarder is like—a yeah. a detriment to your life by your collecting. But it's like. Mm-hmm. I have a job. There's no disorder. That's a disorder, and like, I mean, I'm sure there's some disorders in here. Be just by not wanting to get rid of anything, um, and like, I I have the willpower to not go in a thrift store or a yard sale. But okay. if I do go well, in a thrift it. store or yard sale, I will almost always buy something. So so I have the willpower to not go, but if I see something, it's like, oh man, this would go perfect with in one of my collections. So I mean, there's definitely some disorder, but I think um, it's, uh, yeah, it's 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 you know I have a job, I have a house, I got room for stuff. I try not to acquire too much more anymore, but it's not it's not uh, affecting my life negatively. So it's actually affecting my life positively because I get lots of you know accolades and attention and um, you know news people coming over and stuff so um um gotcha uh oh we is there any is there anyone here that wants to talk about casa bonita i know a couple people had some reference points to it
4: and fortunately i think the that person left okay i I could be wrong
1: yeah we never kind of got around to it um somebody said on the chat is there something in particular that that tends to draw you in um there's, there's, yeah, there's. I would say there's a lot of things, but like stuff like human bones or human teeth or blood, like is one of my kind of fascinations. Um, so that's definitely those things or dental, dental tools, you know, medical stuff. Like some of those things are kind of the darker side of things. But I also collect Barbies and um, stuff, baby Yoda stuff. <laughs> you know, so it really has no bounds. You know, in a lot of ways. But yeah, we talked about Satanic Panic in the chat. Uh, like Warlock Pinchers was a, a very a parody Satanic band. You know, like we chanted Satan, Satan, Satan. Um, we had lyrics about like, uh, um, you know, we're in the league with Satan. We bowl a perfect game. Um, and we, our our tagline <laughs> in interviews was that Satan wrote our lyrics um, we sold our souls to Satan so we could have some good lyrics. Stuff like that. We had a sell your soul to Satan con- um, raffle where we'd actually have people sign on the dotted line, like, I willingly give my soul to Satan um, in exchange for being um, in the drawing to win Warlock Pictures merchandise. <laughs>
4: That's awesome. We had
1: official time of Satan watches. like So I love like, you know, uh, grandiose Satan satanic stuff and um you know weird uh horror things what
3: are you a satanist
1: i i'm not a satanist i guess because i don't really join stuff but (laughs) i think there's there's a press section on my website um save everything.com That's got links to a bunch of. Well, that actually is your website. I thought that was a joke. Oh no, no, no. that's <laughs> that's my site. One of the other things I collect is domain names. <laughs> At one point, okay. I wrote, like Fair ninety enough. domain names, but I've let a bunch expire because I. the First thing, if I ever have an idea, like I had this idea of like cute roadkill. I was, I was like, I don't even know what okay. that is, but I love it. And I bought the domain name. I was like, I'll make T-shirts. I'll have like kids draw roadkill or whatever. I never did anything with it for like 15 years. So I eventually let it expire. But,
4: uh, yeah, I buy a lot Hello. of domain names. Cool. And, and I save everything. Yeah. When you off. said that, I thought you were like, yeah, man, that's my website. Like, yeah, that's, it. Oh, <laughs> like
1: that's my jam. That's no, it's actually my website. <laughs> I had a braceface.net. net. Um, cause I had a line of braces, poz- braces, positive t-shirts. Because I love braces, and I was all excited when I was a kid to have braces. And uh, I thought it would be cool (laughs) if dentists gave these out to their patients, or orthodontists. That was like, I got that artist Shag to draw some dental stuff. This was in the 90s. Um, But yeah, I save everything's kind of broken. I haven't updated it in a while, but I know there are some some links on there to some of the collection stuff. If you Google me... (laughs) If you dare Google me, you'll find all sorts of stuff. There's a really good article called "Blood and Pancakes." Um, that kind of goes through a lot of that stuff that
4: i've that I've done too. Cool. what's your um what's your upcoming project, or what projects are you working on right oh, now? That's a good question. Um, can, uh,
1: uh, I, yeah. I started a themed um pop-up bar with several people. Um, so in Denver, There's a basement of a club that just wasn't being used. And the owner's like, hey, cool people that I know. Like, he got together, five of us, and he's like, do you guys want to do something in here? So we've made a a themed, like a six week long themed pop up bar. Um, And we've done, we did one in um, October that was like Victorian horror. And we did one in November, December that was um, the Cave of the Yuletide Villains. It was about like Krampus and all his friends in their annual meeting of the villains. Cool. Um, and so we'll probably do a spring show for that. Um, there's a really wacky, weirdo guy collector in Boulder that collects. Actually, he probably has at least five times more things than I do.
3: <laughs>
1: and I got asked to curate a collection of, uh, curate a, an art show of his collections. Um, but I'm hoping to make a documentary about that because he's again like the collections is cool and he's got a lot of cool stuff but the guy is what's interesting Is he takes a he takes a notebook to garage sales and he writes down all the things that he bought at each sale with a map and then whatever interactions he had with the person he bought it from and so like <laughs> that, the, the the leader is that he collects a lot of weird stuff but the guy is what's the interesting thing so um, I'm gonna work on that this year too I also design um, puzzle puzzle hunts, um, kind of like escape room type thing. One, one clue leads to the next location. And then there's a clue at that location that leads to the next location. And I've done a couple of these like sanctioned things with the history, Colorado center. So they fund it and pay me to help create it, which is awesome. We've done like three or four week experiences. Um, so I think there's probably some more of that kind of stuff coming up too.
4: Yeah. No, um, if, and when that, uh, film comes out, we'll have to, uh, have a screening. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You guys are a good critical, uh, group of, you know, watchers of people who don't know me, you know, I guess you know me now, but it's like a lot of people who I talk to about my projects or my film or whatever is like people that I know. So it's, it's, it's nice to talk to sure. other people too
4: um i guess one question that hasn't been asked that i think is always a good question to ask a a filmmaker is i guess like what's your favorite shot from the film or your favorite moment from the film if if you have a favorite one or one that you think is maybe overlooked yeah that's ah darn i don't know it's like when you
1: make a film you watch everything so much so many times (laughs) like you see it like hundreds and hundreds of times um I guess the very opening of the film where like it's just showing like every object for like um, uh, you know, one twentieth of a second. It's like every time I watch that, different things kind of pop out because like just when you glance at something, you you kind of freeze frame it in your in your mind. So I see different stuff in that feed um all the time. Like when it's going that fast, you got you have to like pick something to kind of freeze frame. Um so I kinda like that that shot. Um and I think yeah, the times that the tricycle is is moving by itself, I like because that's just a it's an eerie kind of thing. There's a couple there's a couple points oh, yeah. in the movie where yeah. um, it's like rolling down the hill that I think there's one that's right uh, inside outside the Justice Center, which is like where they do all the trials and stuff in Boulder, and the yes. um, and that that one gets pretty overlooked. And there was a there was one of the takes of that because I was just shooting it by myself. I would like start the camera. Go up to the top of the hill and like let it go. But one time it almost went into Boulder Creek. So whenever, whenever I see that that shot, like I see what happened afterward, where I was like, oh my god, and I'm like diving after it to mix to try to save it from going in the creek. But that's something that you know you don't see that happen. But uh, it's I see it happen because I lived through it. So. <laughs>
5: That's, that's interesting to hear because, you know, like, that that's the thing. For, for objects like this, people ascribe meaning, like we talked uh, earlier, and there's a form of hunting, and, you know, like w- with collections and different objects, people are, you know, uh, they keep a spirit or they imbue a spirit into the object. And it's like the way you handle the bike all through <laughs> your time, you're just like hey what's up like and you show up with it i think it's like really uh it puts off not puts off but i don't know how to say this in english but uh it's disturbing for people because normally people will sacralize something like this you know keeping intact the spirit of the little girl in the bike and you're just like doing whatever with it and then you're talking about uh the, the way you actually shot some of the sequences you know and you the, the bike were was doing stunts, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So oh, man, taking for the bike, bike stunts. is, I think, is my And, well, you know, and even, <laughs> like, on the red carpet and stuff, because, so we, so I made a short film that um, didn't reveal a lot, like, even with the psychics and stuff, but that was, um, when we're on the red carpet, we were at the premiere oh. of the short film. So I was able to get this kind of filmy stuff in, so the self-referential yeah, we were on the cover of the the Denver Post, above the fold from um, whatever that movie La La Land. La La Land. We were above uh, La La Land, and I'm holding the trike above my head. You know, it was like it was clearly like a triumph moment, not a, a gingerly taking care of this uh, sacred artifact, kind of giving it the personality and the that 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 kind of pop culture. Pop culture, that's not the tragedy side of it. Well, cool, man. Everybody, thanks again so much. Uh, feel free to get a hold of me anytime through Brooks or on my website or Facebook or whatever. Like I'm, I'm somewhat easy to find. But uh, yeah, appreciate everyone being on here. And uh, I haven't watched Brooks's uh, TED talk yet, so I'm gonna have to check that out.
4: You're in for a treat, dude.
1: Oh, cool. (laughs) Man. Uh, Well, cool. Um, Thanks again, and uh, I'm signing off.
4: Thank
3: you so much much for coming, Andrew. We will see you later. All right.